Welcome to the Slumber Party Pod, a deep dive into decoms. I'm Lizzie, a turkey sandwich on rye. And I'm Hannah, and I'm afraid of hyenas. And this week, you love to hate it. Hopefully you love to listen to us talk about it. Um, It's 2012's Radio Rebel. I almost said get a clue. This is terrible. Starring Miss Debbie Ryan. And you can't see it, but Lizzie and I both just did the hair thing. The ear thing. Yeah, so we are back for another week. This week it is just the two of us. Um, Not joined by a guest, but that's nice. Um, Thank you so much to Amber and Sam for being great guests the last couple weeks. We had such a fun time. I know. Um, It's so fun, although I feel like it made us look kind of stupid. Oh, 100%. Is that just me that felt that way? No. And, you know, I'm sure people listening (laughs) to this will think that as well. Um, And I don't care. Um, I have made, I have spent the last 22 years perfectly happy to surround myself with people who are smarter than me, but, um, I have a great personality. So here we are. There you go. I'm Um, so excited. It feels like it's been, um, I'm going to hop ahead a little bit, dive right in. It's my turn to do the 60 second summary this week. And it feels like I haven't done one in a month because I don't think I have because the last time I did it was four episodes ago. Hannah, would you like to give the good people of the internet um, a little rundown on Radio Rebel? I'll do my best. All right. Would you like me to count you in? Please. Three, two, one, go. So Radio Rebel is about a girl named Tara, played by Debbie Ryan, and she's so shy, like painfully shy, she can't talk to anyone but her three friends. Um... And so, but secretly, she has a podcast. So this is a pretty meta episode for us. And she is like a really popular podcaster. Everyone like in all of Seattle that's in high school listens, but it's a secret and she can't tell anyone until her stepdad, who works at a major radio station, finds out and he's like, you got to be on the radio. So she gets a radio show and it's like helping her build her confidence, but it still has to be a secret. So then her best friend gets mad at her because she knows she has a secret um, a boy that she has a crush on likes Radio Rebel, but she can't, like, talk to him about it without telling the secret. And there's a mean girl that hates Radio Rebel and is, like, catching on that it might be her and tries to um, dox her, basically. And But it becomes, like, a revolution and everyone wants to know who she is. Um, and eventually she has to tell everyone that she's Radio Rebel. Very well done. Oh, thank you. Nice job, Hannah. I think you really got to the gist of it. I don't think I took one breath that whole time. We love that breath support, BB. <laughs> I feel a little bit winded. <laughs> She's a retired theater performer. Um, she is. Which, by the way, theater kids are going to be a substantial topic of conversation during this podcast. They are. Because I was having some real flashbacks. <laughs> Of the variety. Um, Yeah, I missed that, but a big plot point of this is, like, a theater performance. Yeah. They, you know what? If there's one thing that we know about Disney, it's that they love, they love a little Shakespeare moment, which is Mm -hmm. hilarious to me. Unlike all of our past DCOMs, Radio Rebel is actually not on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Like some bikes. Very confusing. It's on Netflix. Yeah, I guess it's 
I guess, well, you know, I've told the story once or twice and I'll tell it again. You know, I in 2019, I watched this movie on Belgian Netflix and I guess it's still on there. I guess its contract isn't up. But last night when I went to watch it, I was on Disney Plus and I was like, it's not here. And yeah. then I got worried that it wasn't really a decom, but it is. It's on the official list. Yep. So I think, yeah, I think that Netflix just still owns it over there. Peculiar. But mm -hmm. so that being said, uh, since it is not on Disney Plus, we don't have a Disney Plus write up for it. Um, and the Netflix one is a sentence. So I'll read that now. <laughs> Shy student Tara has a secret identity. She is smooth-talking radio rebel, a DJ who lends her voice to all kids, popular and unpopular alike. That's correct. That's, you know, if you were really yeah. going to boil it down to one sentence. However, the lovely uh, people of IMDb have given us a, a nicer write-up here, so... High schooler Tara, a girl so painfully shy that she can't even write a single letter on the board in front of a class, has an awesome secret. She is Radio Rebel. When Tara puts on that headset in her room and does her daily podcast, she becomes a confident, outspoken, inspiring, anonymous voice on the airwaves. When her stepfather, the owner-slash-producer at Slam Radio, finds out that she is Radio Rebel, she gets to move from her bedroom to a sound studio to do live shows for Slam. Everything is the perfect amount of chaos until Principal Marino, whose only goal in life seems to be to destroy others, cancels prom, and all the students blame Rebel. That's true. That's correct. So, here you go. I would also like to say the tagline, the official tagline of this movie is so dramatic. The official is tagline is, can the girl who never speaks dot 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 become the voice of a generation? It's true. She does never speak. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know what? That must have made things a lot easier on Debbie Ryan, line memorization-wise. True, yeah. Because I was going to say, she only talks to her mom, her stepdad, barely. And then Audrey, Larry, and Barry. Yeah. For more than half of the movie. Yep. Really, really interesting. Um, so, so the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is not a 62%. Ooh. As all of our past movies have been. It's a 61%. <laughs> oh my god. A little lower Rotten than Tomatoes doesn't really tell us anything. There are two critics reviews. Um, one from Emily Ashby of Common Sense Media. That says, Debbie Ryan is her usual charming self in this funny heartwarming story about conquering fears. And gave it a 4 out of 5. Mm, okay. And uh, a top critic from the New York Times Ooh. gave it just the little green, like, gross splat on Rotten Tomato. Oh. Because most of the rest of the characters are disposable. True. They are. Yep. So, uh, there you go. And this came out the day that like, a New York Times review of this came out the day that it came out, came out, titled, Shrinking Violet at School Blossoms on the Radio. Oh my god, literally some dad stayed up with his kids to watch it. Yeah. I was like, this is due at work tomorrow morning. Yeah, I guess so. Um, so, Hannah, did you watch this when it first came out? 
I did. In fact, I've seen this um, quite a few times since it came out. Not a ton, but I definitely watched it as a kid and I definitely really liked it as a kid. And I think most of us did. I was just going to say, I feel like the Debbie Ryan hate didn't start until till TikTok. I agree. But we'll get into that later. Um, I definitely watched this around when it came out. However, it's not something that like, it was not a decom that I watched when it would rerun on Disney Channel. Because, oh. interestingly enough, since Hannah's Radio Rebel story revolves around Belgium, this yeah. movie this movie came out a couple months before me and my family moved to Belgium and could not get Disney Channel because we didn't we had like three American channels and Disney Channel was not one of them. So I think I only watched this like maybe probably just once, maybe twice if I had it on DVR and then we got out of Dodge. Um, so I hadn't watched this essentially since 2012. Um, so this was, this was a fun one for me to revisit because I also remember liking it a lot. I guess then we can get uh, started talking more about the movie. Yes. Um, this, Lizzie and I discussed earlier on our own time, is based on a book. And Lizzie alluded to that when she read the caption of the New York Times article. It's based on a book called Shrinking Violet by Danielle Joseph. And I've never read it. Lizzie, have you? Nope. Exactly. So I felt, I was like, oh, I feel bad that like all these things are based off books and we can't talk about them. So I pulled up Goodreads actually about Shrinking Violet. Amazing. So we can at least, you know, have a little book moment. Um. It has 3.5 stars on Goodreads, which is about what I'd expect of mm-hmm. everything we talk about ever. Um, and it sounds like it's quite similar. However, it's set in Miami, not Seattle. The main character's name is Teresa, not Tara. Mm-hmm. And her... It sounds like her radio persona is not named Radio Rebel. It's Sweet Tea. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Like oh, sweet it's Sweet Tea, tea like and the then... Yeah, like the T. Like the letter T. Um, and it turns out that um, the like big plot is that Slam, the radio station, announces a songwriting contest and the grand prize is a prom date with her. So then, like, that's when she would have to reveal herself. Oh. Instead, when in the movie, it's like she would have to reveal herself if she wins prom queen. Sure. Which, I guess I understand. When when was this book yeah. published? Oh, gosh. 2009. Oh, okay. Never mind. I guess... For in terms of Disney Channel messaging, like, it makes a little more sense that they went the route of not, like, her being used as a literal prize in a competition. <laughs> yeah, especially so. because in this book summary, or, the word sexy is used at least twice to describe oh. her. Hmm, I don't care for that. But, alright. Yeah. There you go. Um, hmm. There you go. So, but yeah. 
odd. Uh, the This movie was directed by Peter Howitt. Um, this is the only Disney Channel original movie that he has directed. He directed a few other things. He directed Sliding Doors with Gwyneth Paltrow, um, Johnny English, the Mr. Bean mm-hmm. movie, um, and also Laws of Attraction with Julianne Moore, I think. Um, is that right, Julianne Moore? Or am I, I missing no up my redheaded? Yes, yeah, which is about lawyers falling in love. So we love that. And then some other TV series he's directed a few episodes of. But he kind of, first and foremost, was an actor. And directed a lot of the things that he acted in. um, And vice versa. Acted in a lot of the things that he has directed. Um, But I can't see... I'll be honest, there's nothing that he acted in that I am necessarily particularly familiar with. So, yep. that's a little bit of that. But this is a fun cast. As we said, our main character, Tara, is played by Disney Channel sweetheart, Debbie Ryan, <laughs> of yeah. Sweet Life on Deck, and Jesse Acclaim. <laughs> And the mean girl. Oh yeah, who's the mean girl? So the mean girl, Stacy, is played by Merritt Patterson. Um, so, and for those of you who are a big fan of the Hallmark Christmas movie or just the in general Hallmark movie, we have talked about this a lot on this podcast. She's been in a lot of these, um, and I couldn't mm-hmm. figure out why she looked familiar until I looked her up on IMDb, um, but. I would be interested to know a little bit more about what the Disney Channel original movie to Hallmark movie pipeline is. Um, Because I'm guessing there's a lot of them. So Probably. Yeah. Um, I would say some other noteworthy people. Most of the actors in this movie really weren't familiar to me. Um, The main love interest, whose name is Gavin, is played by Adam DeMarco. Mm -hmm. And he is in one other decom. He's in Zapped. Uh, he plays Zendaya's brother. Yes. Um, which we obviously haven't watched for the pod yet, but we will eventually, I'm sure. And also, if any of you watched that show, The Magicians, um, he was in that. He played Todd. Uh, Tara's best friend, Audrey, not Aubrey, Audrey, is played by Serena Parmar, who I didn't recognize, but she was in Degrassi, and she played Farah. Oh... Those are about the people I feel like talking about. I don't know if Lizzie has anyone else. No. Although I will say, if you look... Oh my god. Okay. This is... I'm just looking this up. So kind of... One of Tara's newer friends, a girl who works at the radio station, her name is Cammie Q, um, Mm -hmm. is played by an actress named Mercedes de la Zarda. um, Or de la Zarda. Yikes. Um, that's my apologies. And I couldn't figure out why she looked familiar to me either until I, again, just looked it up. And I have put in one of my Beyond the Pods um, the show Designated Survivor with Kiefer Sutherland, which is like mm-hmm. 
a show that I love. Um, and she was in that. And so that's oh, okay. familiar. So that's, there you go. Good for her. Good show. Good show. I would say maybe it's time for us to segue into another segment. Lizzie, do you have any thoughts from an actual child for us today? I sure Little do. Little Birdie told me yes. I sure do. And I will. Lizzie, what did Maggie have to say? So she's provided us with a list of three, three comments and then her final conclusion. One, the principal in this is past the woat. For those of you who are unaware of what woat means, you may have heard of goat, greatest of all time, used to describe various celebrities and athletes. Woat is worst of all time. It's something that I picked up from our friend Rachel Maine and passed it along to Maggie. So there's that. Two... I finally understand where that meme is from. We will put the meme in question in our Instagram carousel when this goes up. But you all already know. It's the tucking behind the ear, looking up. It's it's a lot. Um, and she said, and it's much better in context. <laughs> and three, she loved the part. There's a part where all of the listeners of Radio Rebel are calling in and telling her what they're afraid of. And it's like this big kind of like empowering moment where all of these kids from all different walks of life are being open and vulnerable, whatever. And the twins that Debbie Ryan is friends with, Barry and Larry, Barry calls in and says, I think Larry is losing it. And Maggie laughed harder at that than maybe anything in any other decom that we have watched. And so her final conclusion, five out of five, this has exceeded expectations. Oh my god, a glowing review. That's our first ever five from anyone five on the team. out of five. Can Amazing. you believe I'm glad that she loved it. So glad to see that this holds up with the youth of today. I know. She has to tell all her friends to watch it. Oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. Oh, my God. That scene that she loved where everyone's calling in. There's another moment that I love in that that I wrote down in my notes. And one girl calls in and says, I'm afraid I'll always be a single integer. And I, <laughs> I too, am afraid I will always be a single integer. So I can relate. But I would like to say there's a little bit of a subplot there because there's a part a little bit later in the movie where they're all calling in because they're angry at Radio Rebel because the prom has been canceled because she oh, won't yeah. reveal her identity. And the same girl calls in when she was like, I called in last time about being worried about being myself. I just got a date to the prom and now it's for nothing. And I'm like, I want to know who that is. I want to know. It's not the neck brace girl, is it? That, that like, called no. it. Or was that a different girl? It was a different girl. A different blonde girl. The girl who wanted to be a single integer was not blonde. Was she the one who gave everyone carnations on Valentine's Day? No. She was the young African-American woman sitting on her bed. <laughs> oh, I was thinking that the girl who always gave everyone carnations... 
I'll be honest, I wasn't really paying attention to this movie. No, that was the girl who called in later and was like, this is the last time I'm ever listening to your show. Yeah. And she was like, there were a lot of people. They were all so mad at her. Yeah. They were like, you've ruined everything. They were heated. Um, Mm -hmm. and, oh, my apologies, writing utensils, I'm just gonna throw you across my room. Um, so, would we like to get on to the bulk of the story? Yeah. I think we should. Alright, me too. So, this movie starts off with us finding out who Tara is, how awkward she is. They're talking mm-hmm. about Radio Rebel, who's, like, this incredibly empowering, like, awesome podcast host. Sounds familiar. Um, yeah. <laughs> that... Hold of us to critique Tara when she clearly has way more listeners than us. Mm, I don't want to talk about it. Um, however, it does start with, like, a not great kind of nod to a joke about OCD right off the bat. Um which was very interesting, with one of the kind of, like, supposed to be dorky twins that she hangs out with, Barry and Larry, who are both, like, obsessed with figuring out who Radio Rebel is. Like, that's their bit throughout the entire thing. Mm -hmm. And one of them is, like, he's obsessed. And he's like, I'm not obsessive! And then, like, grabs a wet wipe out of his thing and starts cleaning everything. And I was like, hmm, that was interesting. Yeah. That was And he goes, It's flu season and I'm like, he would fare well in twenty twenty one. I'm like, you know what? He's got an excellent point, but I can tell that was supposed to be like kind of like a Yeah. A punchline and it's supposed it, to be like a he's crazy. It was not a That moment there made me worried about the rest of the movie aging. But I think for the most part that was the only thing that I really bumped on as being like, ooh. This movie is 10 years old. Oh. And so, in this introductory part, we are getting kind of a feel for the social kind of atmosphere of the high school. And so there's, like, the mean, like, head girl named Stacy, who is, like, comically mean. Like, I didn't really buy her as a believable mean person most of the time. Like, she's the kind of mean girl. She would step on people's stuff and, like, she has, like, an assistant assistant who follows her around, who's another girl named Kim, who Who looks like Zoe Deschanel. Who looks like Zoe Deschanel and also kind of looks like Jane from Descendants. Oh, you're right a little bit. It does look like her. I can't remember the actress's name. But my parents both were like, that looks like young Zoe Deschanel. And I was like, yeah, "Yeah, kind of. And so basically, she is upset that Radio Rebel is gaining popularity because it's giving the little people uh, essentially the courage to talk to people like her, she says, which is so ridiculous. Um, And so she's kind of teaming up with the principal to get Radio Rebel, like, banned and to try to get people not listening to it anymore. So that's kind of, like, Mm -hmm. the main underlying conflict there. Yeah. And let me tell you, I wrote down in this introductory part of the movie, there is so much telling and no showing of this, like, exposition. Yeah. They're like, oh, Radio Rebel, the DJ, wasn't she so good last night? You should ask your stepdad. Why? Because your stepdad is the you know, head guy at Slam Radio FM. Yeah. And, oh, but my stepdad and I don't have a good relationship. Yep. Just show us. Yes. 
Um, it felt contrived. It was... It was a lot. It was like a big kind of walk and talk situation, which mm-hmm. I can really only abide in like an Aaron Sorkin TV show. And it didn't it didn't work great in this instance. Um, mm-hmm. but And it was very much um, they also did the thing kind of like they do in Mean Girls where they point out all the different cliques. Yes. Like the pops and the newborn pops, which like the newborn pops are not vampires. They are like the the kid the basically it's the band the g's yeah they're now popular yes um and that yeah and it like you know in the losers like us and yeah um let me tell you losers like us you know is such a trope we get it everyone loves Mm -hmm. an underdog moment um but i think it is to the point now where it is done so often and done well so infrequently that mm-hmm. within hold on i'm going to reference me and hannah's text messages here so me and magna doodle started watching this at about mm, 9:10 by 9:30 i had already texted her four different recommendations that we can make to you this week because I was like oh yes this is like them doing 10 things I hate about you poorly um but also it's kind of like a Cinderella story with Lizzie McGuire poorly but also it's kind of like Princess Diaries poorly Yeah, because it's not a likable underdog, because Tara, like, she's not unlikable, but you just don't really care about her. No, and so... Because she's, like, cringy. We are uncertain, we are never told at this point, like, how old she is. Like, we don't know if she's a freshman, we don't know if she's a senior. I'm assuming that she's probably an upperclassman, considering the fact that she was able to go to prom. Yes. So that's my assumption. However, it did not feel like that. Like, she felt like she was, like, a freshman or a sophomore. And I don't know if it's just because a lot of the writing in this, I'm just going to go out and say it so we can get it out in the open. The script of this, not not good. I would go as far to say it's bad. The writing, bad. Much of the acting, also bad. However, the entertainment value was there. <laughs> there were just enough mm-hmm. parts that got a reaction out of me that it was an enjoyable viewing experience. Oh, yeah. It's fun to watch. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, like, there are... Tara is just, like, you don't really care about her because she's, you know, she's not really likable. She's so cringy. Like, it kind of hurt to watch her interact with other people. Like... This boy, Gavin, that she's had a crush on, they say, for, like, since they were in middle school. And he is in what she calls the newborn pops. So he's, like, popular. And Stacy, the queen bee, has a crush on him. And they're going to prom together. But he's really nice. And he's really smart. And he is working with Tara on a group project. And he's being so nice to her. And she's being so awkward. Like, she, like, either just won't say a word and just looks at her shoes while he's talking to her face. Mm -hmm. Or he'll be like oh, hi, Tara, how are you? And she's like, oh, ha, 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 yeah. Like, and I'm like, let's not play girls with a crush, like, yeah. people without brains. Thank you. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, Sometimes 
when you are a 16, 17, 18, 22 year old girl with a crush, you you don't have a brain. But yeah, I don't know if it was an acting thing or if it was a script thing, but it felt very unrealistic. Um, and there was a part when, like, the class that she's in, she's, like, in an English class, like, one of the drama classes in their high school joins that class to do this kind of, like, mini scene works of Shakespeare scenes that they're doing kind of, like, set Mm -hmm. in modern times. And so, of course, she's in a group with Gavin, her crush, and the mean girl, Stacy, because Stacy and Gavin are going to prom together. This is, of course, for... For movie reasons, this has to happen. Yeah. And when this, when he enters the room, she immediately rises from her chair, runs out the door, and her best friend Audrey follows her and she's like, what are you doing? She's like, why is he here? First of all, just turn around and have the ghost to this school. (laughs) Yeah, they sit next to each other. Turn around. She can't even be in the same room as him. And I really, I watched that and I was like, that's so dumb. Like, that's so unrealistic. You're drawing attention to yourself. She's shy. She wouldn't want anyone to see her. Now, have I physically with my body run away from a boy I had a crush on in the past? Many a time. Absolutely. Will it probably happen again in the future? With my track record, yes. However, if there's one thing I know about... characters like her there's nothing they want less than like getting in trouble so I can't imagine that her awkwardness surrounding this boy is big enough for her to risk getting in trouble for leaving class yeah because class had already started like it wasn't passing period no class had started every like the other class came in and she booked it out of the room yep and, like, covered her face and, like, slid her beanie down further. Because that's Ugh. another plot point in this movie. It's just that everyone is wearing a hat, a fedora, a or beanie, a a um, like, a headband with flowers on. Which I'm going to, you know, put myself on blast. In middle school and high school, I did wear lots of, like, flower clips in my hair. Sure. but Because it was 2013. Not to... And I was a dancer. If you're a person who, at the ages of... 15, 16, 17, 18, wore, if you're, yeah, a high school girl who wore bowler hats to school, that's fine. More power to you, right on. However, I can't say I know a single person who did that, nor can I imagine anyone doing that in legitimate- It was against the dress code at my school. Yes, Yeah, 100%. Oh my gosh, at the first high school I went to? Well, actually, I guess not that. But, like, in middle school, our dress code was so crazy. Hats were not allowed. We were not allowed to wear things that had a crown on them. Like, if you had, like, a Disney princess shirt, and the princesses were wearing a crown, or, like, a Kansas City Royal shirt, because we lived in Kansas, and that has a crown on it, we were not allowed to wear it because it's a gang symbol. Oh my god. We, I don't think we went that far, but like we were fully not to wear, to ha- not allowed to wear hats. We weren't allowed to wear hoods. Um, They were very strict on like the how short your shorts were. 
Um, oh my gosh, my and like you would have to you would have to change into your gym shorts, which were like that was like the most embarrassing thing. I never had to do it because I was terrified. But like if you had to change into your PE shorts. Mm-hmm. After we moved back to the States and moved to the town where I live now. Um, so I went to the for the last three years of high school, I went to the high school that my parents went to and our vice principal used like still had worked there when both my parents went there my second day of school my first day of school was already bad my second day of school i walked in got dress coded for the length of my shorts at my high school they really didn't dress code people um like there was a dress code but like they wouldn't really unless like if you were wearing a hat or a hood i'm sure they would have asked you to take it off and if you had like something like written on your shirt that wasn't appropriate they would have but now my school district like there's no dress code anymore yeah yeah there's nothing like maggie um, wore hats so i guess school. bowler hats would fly in 2021 i we are not we're not supporting that though we're not endorsing that as a fashion choice no mostly, please don't mostly because every time i think of a bowler hat i think about meet the robinsons and bowler hat guy <laughs> Bowler hat guy, check out our recommendations from Xenon on the Instagram featuring yes. Meet the Robinsons. It was a fan fave. I know your sister was very excited about that one. I know, I love that she's our, our, our best Instagram fan. I know, I don't um, think she listens, but that's fine. Yeah, sisters, what are you gonna do? Um, um, yeah. there are some other weird moments in this movie that like are just fully not like real like you know like the hats in the school has anyone ever been to a school there's no hats um the pe scene outside where one they're all just like wearing their regular clothes which isn't how gym works in like high school you change into your clothes and it's just like they're standing on a field and some kids are playing football and some kids are just walking and some kids are doing high kicks i don't remember what is this outdoor pe scene it's when Audrey is like, why are you hiding a secret from me? If oh. you don't tell me your secret, I'm going to scream in three seconds. And she does scream because she's a theater kid and she has no shame. Okay. Thank you for that segue, Hannah. Let's talk about <laughs> the theater kid as a trope in this movie. Yes. Horrible. Moving on. <laughs> theater kid. It's not even just theater kids. It's mostly just Aubrey. Yeah. This girl, Tara's best friend, she is, like, the crazy theater kid you all think of when you think of theater kids. She gives us a bad rap. She's, like, doing hyena yoga, but she's afraid of hyenas. That's what she confesses. And, actually, that led me to one of my notes. I put question. Lizzie, are you afraid of hyenas? Um, maybe a little. Um, I have a healthy respect. Look, would I want to get caught in a dark alley with some of them? No, of course not. I've seen The Lion King. Um, but, um, yeah, I think they are one of the creepier wild animals out there, and I yeah. think I am more- They're not cute like a dingo. No, I- <laughs> Dingoes look like Shiba Inus. Cute like a dingo. That's how I'd like you to start, um, referring to people. <laughs> Okay, what is he? He's cute, but like a dingo or creepy like a hyena. (laughs) Oh my god. She 
like runs up in front of the teacher to write on the board without being called on. Yeah. She's like, she there's like, who wants scene suggestions? And she already knows she wants Hamlet, like act yeah. two, scene one. And then she like before, yeah. So before the teacher even gets to finish, and she's like, Oh, did you wanna like call on someone to volunteer? And then turns around and is like, Okay, does anyone volunteer? Let's see hands. Like, let's see hands, please. Yeah. And they're all laughing at her to her face, and she doesn't care. No, no. And then she says, I'm sorry, just drama is my life. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you did theater with people like drama this. Drama is my life, as she's wearing, like, a fedora. Ugh. There were a lot of vests. Yeah, well, I did who, like, yeah. Mm, yeah, kind of. I, and she also, like, like I said earlier, she, like, unabashedly just screams on the football field, like, during PE class because she's not getting her way. Mm-mm. She just screams, uses the singer's lungs, I guess. And then later in the movie, when they're doing their Shakespeare performances, she is just living her best life. Yeah. On that stage, doing a soliloquy. Yes. Not helping her best friend Tara escape from a closet. Yes, because at this point, it's supposed to be their final performance. Stacy is the director, so the scene is supposed to be between Gavin the Crush and Tara. Stacy locks Tara in a closet. Like, fully locks her in a closet so that she can be on stage with Gavin and kiss him because she is getting insecure mm-hmm. about the fact that Gavin and Tara are getting closer and whatever. I don't really care. Mm-hmm. Um, but Audrey is on stage doing her Ophelia moment. Realizes after that Tara was locked in a closet and that's why she was late. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. I do want to talk a little bit about something Hannah talked about earlier about uh, Tara and her relationship with her stepdad. So her parents are divorced. And so the mom and the stepdad live with her. And her, they mentioned briefly that her dad is now working in Taiwan and thus cannot be there. Um the stepdad, conveniently, is the head of this, like, super popular radio station in Seattle. And something I didn't remember, that I, but that I actually kind of liked for the story. Because I forgot about the fact that she ends up being actually on the radio. For some reason, I thought her she did the show from her bedroom for a lot more of the movie. But oh, yeah, in, no. like, the first half an hour... Of the movie, the stepdad is talking to her about, um, he's like, oh my god, have you heard this Radio Rebel person, whatever, and he's talking to her about this while she's on air. So, like, a song is playing when she's waiting, and then the song ends, and she's like, okay, well, I just have to, I have to get back on air. And then she goes to, like, intro the next song, and that's how he finds out. So I actually kind of liked that he knew about it that early on. Mm-hmm. And they were kind of in cahoots for more. Yeah, they, like, bonded over it. Yes. And it was nice, because they actually, he was a good character. Yes. There weren't that many likable characters in this movie, or, like, realistic, like, normal characters, and he was one. Yeah. However, there was one point at the, like, and he was worried about her when the principal starts, um, you know, threatening to expel whoever's Radio Rebel for, like, causing some trouble at school. He's like, no, like, your education is more important. Like, I don't care about the success of the radio station. And she's like, no, we have to keep doing it. It's important. There is one weird moment towards the end. 
um, that it was like just a little bit like too romantically charged between the two of them. I remember thinking Debbie Ryan was like doing too many like flirty blinks oh, up at him. That's weird. And like I don't think that was written into the script. I think that's just kind of how Debbie Ryan acts. I don't think she's a very good actress. Um, I did not bump on that, but that does make me uncomfortable to think about. I remember thinking, like, it was in a dark room, and he was like, hey, like, you're gonna do a good job. And she was, like, fluttering her eyelashes at him. Well, that's the thing. I was, she like, does a lot of looking up through the eyelashes at the people she's talking about. Yeah. And I think it's supposed to be her being shy, but yeah. it just looks, frankly, it, it doesn't read like she's on drugs. There were some yeah, which she where I was which like, if you've seen any interview of Debbie Ryan, she might have been while she was on Disney Channel. Because there was a moment at the end when they were dancing at prom, and some of the things where I was like, I would put money on the fact that Debbie Ryan might be stoned out of her mind right now. I would like to, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to talk mm-hmm. about Gavin. <gasps> Please, oh my god, I want to talk about Gavin too. Okay, so I'm gonna go out and say this on record right now. Of the Disney Channel original movie, Love Interests, I do think that Gavin here is the most likable one. Oh, I would agree. And I also think that he is the one who is the most universally crushworthy. Because mm-hmm. he, he has was, little dimples. He was just neutral enough. And he, like, was talented and popular but nice and mm-hmm. like he was smart and he like stu- stood up for her yeah he stuck up for himself to his friends he stood up for for Tara to Stacy like the mean girl yeah um he wasn't a sellout although I'll say um so he's in this band called the G's his name is Gavin his friend's name is Gabe mm-hmm. yeah and i thought the band i'm going to talk talk a little bit you know skip a little bit to the music section i thought their name was like the g's like the g apostrophe s or like the g's it's not it's the g g g g g s it's four g's yeah four g um which i didn't realize until i went on wikipedia to look at uh, something else for the soundtrack for our music discussion but honestly also speaking of the g's they're a really good band yeah like they there's a part at the end where he is like serenading her Liss wound <laughs> at the prom. Serenades her in a way that somehow was not cringeworthy. Well, and the song wasn't about her. He like dedicated to her. To her, he was like, "Oh, um, this is for a girl that I like." But it was a song about him and like him like being. Yes, it was called it like was. now I can be who I am. Yep. And then his band, who he had kind of broken up with because they were into like being popular, and he was like, "I just want to play my music." Yeah, they joined back in. And his best friend, Gabe, who's, like, kind of the front man of the G's, you know, he was, like, more into being popular, and that's why they had a little falling out. But Gabe also was, like, pretty Yeah. Likeable. He was pretty charming. It was very boy bandy. I did text Hannah. It was reminding me a lot of the band All-Star Weekend. Yes. If you folks listen to that, Confession Time, All-Star Weekend is technically the first concert I ever went to. 
However, it was a free concert because they were doing like a USO tour, like to different army bases. That counts. But I don't want it to because if I don't count it, I get to tell people my first concert was Taylor Swift. Um, Ooh, my first concert was Carly Rae Jepsen. Oh my god, I love Carly Rae Jepsen and Hot Shell Ray. But yeah, uh, so I kind of want to. Oh, sorry. Yeah, they're fun. Yeah, I was gonna say. Speaking of music, speaking of the G's, because they have a couple, like three songs in this movie, and they're all pretty good. Yeah. Um, there are also three songs on the soundtrack sung by Debbie Ryan. Including a cover of We Got the Beat, sung by Debbie Ryan. And I literally wrote in my notes, is this a Debbie Ryan cover of We Got the Beat? And it is. It is. Which is. She's like, we got the beat. They got the beat. They got the beat. They got the beat. Yeah, they got the beat. Makes us dance. Sure something. Um, Not something I feel the need to revisit anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like at like the party scene. She's at Stacy's house because Stacy knows that Tara's radio rebel and she wants to expose her. Yeah. Um, but Tara and then is fully gaslighting Stacy to be like, "No, it's not me." She has her mom and Cami Q like playing yeah. sound bites on the radio, iCarly style, yeah. so Tara can be at the party and on the radio at the same time. And Stacy is running around the house trying to find this girl. It was kind of funny. <laughs> it it was funny, but I was like, Tara is gaslighting her yeah. in all caps. There were a couple, like, little moments of espionage where Tara is trying to sneak into the radio station to do her show when people yeah. are angry about her about the prom getting canceled. So, yeah. and one of these points, she enlists the help, or she's trying to get out. She enlists the help. Um, of a dancing sandwich, like a person in a big sandwich costume who is dancing like for a business, and she orders the sandwich. The sandwich gets delivered. She's like, "I need you to go distract these people so I can get out." And the person in the sandwich costume is like, "Okay, sure." And I did not remember this. I just thought this was like a funny, like whatever guy in a sandwich costume. Yeah. Ha ha ha! This will make little kids laugh. And then later. At the end, at the conclusion, when her and Gavin are having their moment, um, and she's kind of doing a, like, but why did you, why are you picking me moment? Like, brushing the hair behind the ears. And he says something about, like, you know, it takes a special kind of girl to ask a guy and ask a sandwich for help. And then you Yeah, a turkey on rye. Turkey on rye. That he was the sandwich. And so he knew yeah. for like days beforehand that she was Radio Rebel. Yeah. It was yeah, old. he knew for quite a while. But then he was upset with her because he thought she blew him off for the performance because Stacy locked her in a closet. Yes. But And you know what? Speaking of Stacy, I don't like, and I'm curious to get your thoughts, because the whole time she sucked. But then at the end, we, she kind of gets a redemptive arc. Yes. And I didn't like it. I wish... Here's the thing. If they were going to give her a redemption arc, I wish they would have leaned into that more. And, like, made her more likable in the context of that redemption arc. Because we realize that she, like, is dealing with some her own insecurities. Um, 
about the fact that you know when she was hurt people bully other people exactly um and we get a little bit of a moment before they're about to announce prom queen where she's kind of hidden herself away um and she's like essentially giving her a pep talk uh giving herself a pep talk in the mirror of like you like you look oh and i hated it you're a queen with or without a crown which like i think could have been great if there had been a little a little more like we never see her like say sorry for what she's done no. She just the only of- reason at the end she comes around is because Tara won't give her the crown until she says like I I'm, I'm Radio Rebel. I like Radio Rebel. So, um yeah, and it like it could have been a good moment and I think there's a similar moment somewhere in like Princess Protection program. I could be wrong. There it could have been a good moment except for that's the only time we see her be like sincere. Yeah. And it was like no, she's a mean girl like the like I don't buy it. I don't care. I don't care if she's, you know. Yeah. And there's a part where she is, like, really, when they're rehearsing their, they're doing a scene from Twelfth Night, um, Mm -hmm. where, which is essentially that scene mimics a lot of, mirrors a lot of the plot of this show of, like, pretending to be different people and, like, truly being who they are, whatever. Um, And Stacy says something really mean. And Tara is kind of like, what the heck? And she's like, oh, just kidding. You know I love you. And I was like... Yeah. Mm. I was like, this is a real... That's like a real, like, mean high school girl thing <laughs> to do. Yeah. She did that, in fact, a couple of times. Because another time she was like, the scene requires you to walk and talk at the same time. Can you handle that, Tara? Yeah. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Because like, she would always do that in front of Gavin because she was trying mm. to save face. Horrible. Um. So I did like when Gavin stood up to Stacy and was like, "We're not going to prom." Yeah, you suck. It was great. That was good. Um, I will say we've been calling this prom. Um, this is not prom. It's not prom. Prom has been been canceled, outlawed, outlawed by the crazy ass principal. And so Debbie Ryan has Radio Rebel has this brilliant idea. That if the school won't give them their prom, they're going to have their own prom, but it's going to be prom backwards. So it's Morp. It's Morp. Um, Pardon? And she was like, come as you are, which means like some people did dress up like in prom clothes, but some people didn't. And Debbie Ryan certainly didn't dress up in prom clothes. She looked terrible at the Morp. She looked ridiculous. And pardon me for saying this was the stupidest shit we may have seen in any decom. A mo- she is has crimped hair, and she has on a bangs. terrible outfit. Yeah, straight bangs, like brat stall makeup. Um, she was the worst looking one at the at the morp. I almost called it the prom, but I think that's a victorious trope. I think um, it is too. Yeah, that the morp, she and then she wins prom queen, of course. Ridiculous, and not in a good way. Yeah. Not in a, like, she looks yeah. ridiculous. Like, she looks I have, ridiculous. in all caps, she looks so bad at Morp. It was so bad. It was not good. It really... And then, of course, she reveals she's Radio Rebel. Um, She gets expelled, but then everyone stands behind her. And so, so she gets unexpelled. Yeah. yeah. And then Gavin kisses her on the cheek. In slow motion, a little bit. This infuriated me. 
I wanted, I didn't even want it for Tara. I just said, God, no. The ridiculousness that they've put this boy through throughout this entire She didn't thing. deserve him, honestly. Oh, he was nice God. to her. She didn't deserve him. No. Ugh. It was, it was annoying. This is a, yeah, it was a little bit irritating. Um, I will say the mom I thought was kind of funny. She gave me a little bit like off-brand Jennifer Coolidge vibes the character did. Yes, I was going to say Paulette. Yes. Um, but also like, yeah. Um, and she, there is a funny part where she's like, um, I, you know, the only thing that I care about is like your happiness and whatever. And she's like, okay, well, I'm not going to go to prom. And the mom's like, mm, well, actually, hold on. Let me amend that. And um, the only things that I care about are you being happy and also you going to prom because you're going to prom. <laughs> yeah. And it made me giggle because it was done just, just well enough delivery wise that it was funny. So, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was it was funny. I, there are some, like we said, you know, there's some cringy writing in this movie, but there's also some just enough that it makes it enjoyable, just enough that Maggie can rate it five out of five stars. Yeah. Um, Lizzie, I'm curious if you have any favorite lines in this movie I that do. we haven't talked about. I'm so glad you asked because I do. Um, one of my the ones that kind of caught me off guard was the principal. At one point goes, there is nothing more distracting than controversy. And I was like, that's such an obnoxious high school principal thing to say. Um, I also liked Gabe. (laughs) The other member of the G's goes, our fans don't want a message. They want to party. I loved, um, one of my favorite lines was, uh, there's a moment where everyone's wearing red because Radio Rebel said so, and Larry and Barry wear the same red outfit, and they appear in the elevator, and they go, can you guys tell us apart? In unison, like twins do, and Audrey says, you guys are fraternal, not identical. (laughs) She's so exasperated. They, because they are so fraternal. One is a redhead, one is like six foot five. It's hilarious. One wears a fedora or a, a newsboy yeah. cap sometimes. But yeah, she is she is fed up with them. Yeah. Um, I think my least favorite part was when the kids are all calling in and talking about what they're afraid of. Debbie Ryan ruins it by running to the roof of the radio station <laughs> and yes. going and yelling into the sky, into the abyss, I'm afraid to show the real me. And it echoes, real me, real me, real me. And it zooms in on her, like, woo, woo. Yes. Oh, and let's not forget. That's a bad one. The real best line of all of this um, is when she's introducing a song by the G's. And she goes, check it out, vibe it. Really, really dig on it. Really, really dig on it. And then remember that feeling. Yeah. It, there you but go. That is kind of that's kind of our movie. It ends in a terrible freeze frame of everyone dancing at the at the morp. Ugh. At the yeah. home. Yeah. Um and I wrote, you know, that that was just kind of the final straw to break the camel's back for me. 
Yeah. So, Hannah, now that we have ended, have you come up with what you think in your ranking for this is going to be? I think so. I'm looking at our spreadsheet of our previous ranking. Yes. Because, you know, I need to be in context. I don't want another get a clue regret moment. I am waffling between two scores, but I think I'm going to say 3.5. I like to watch it. I don't think it's good, but it's like a fun, like, hate watch. Yep. It's a fun hate watch moment for me. I... I'm going to say the exact same thing. I'm giving it a 3.5. I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. Because I thought it was going to be so cringy that I wouldn't be able to find any enjoyment in it. But it was. I think the enjoyment largely came from Gavin the love interest. Bless him. Yes. He really carried that. Um, And I think did some of the best acting out of all of them. Yes. Um, I did look into, I was wondering why they did the kiss on the cheek thing. And I was wondering Mm -hmm. if perhaps, like, he was a legal adult and Debbie Ryan, like, wasn't at some point. Because I didn't know what the age was there. No, they were Oh, yeah, it's possible. Nope. Oh. Well, you know, if you listened to last week's episode, and Lizzie did because she lived it. Yep. Sam did give us some good knowledge about, like, actors' equity contracts and it's like how how far in advance his scenes need to be planned out so it's possible that they just didn't weren't gonna do it and then last minute they were like we need to we need to do something there's some other decoms with awkward kiss on the cheek scenes that we'll get to when we get there but it's like it almost would have been better if they just hadn't done it right would have been better if they just left it up to the imagination it's a slow dance yeah yeah give us a good slow dance i love a good slow dance all right. Do you have anything you'd like to say? I'd like to say. Oh. I'd like to say what we're doing next week. Oh, next week. <laughs> um, next week is another goodie. Next week, we have. I need to pull it up. I want to say the right date. An oldie but a goodie, if you will. An oldie but a goodie. Again, not as old as Xenon, but we have 2007s. Oh, so not that Famous. Old. No. Jump in with Corbin Blue and I almost called her Aquila and Kiki Palmer of Aquila and the Bee. I'm so excited. Me too. I loved this. It's gonna be great. As a youth. We're gonna push it, push it to the limit. So yeah. Um so we'll see you next week for a, a fun discussion of Jump In. In the meantime, if you want to see or hear more of us, you can follow us on Instagram at the slumberparty.pod or you can email us at the slumberpartypod at gmail.com, especially if you would like to be a featured guest in any upcoming episodes. Um we would love to have some of our friends of the pod on. So if you're interested, please let us know. Um Additionally, like I've been saying every week, lots of you follow us on Instagram but don't listen to the pod. So if you are listening to the pod, your homework this week is to recommend to at least one friend. Yes. I said what I said. Also, we have been followed on the Instagram recently by a lot of other podcasts, which is so yes, cool. It makes me cool. so happy. Um, and a couple other decom-related podcasts. So if you guys happen to be listening, 
please feel free to reach out. We would mm-hmm. love to chat. We can collab. And we can talk about this fun little series of movies that we're doing. So there you go. That's okay. So, yep. Thank you again for listening, and we will see you next week. Take it away. This has been the Slumber Party Pod, a deep dive into DCOMs. This episode was edited by Lizzie and collectively conceived of as a postgrad crisis by Lizzie and Hannah. This podcast has been distributed by Anchor, and we hope you'll join us again next week.